Welcome to Career Tools. This week, choosing a company to work for, Chapter 8, How to Wait Your Decision. Here we go. Folks, a brief promotion for our interviewing series. For those of you who already own the interviewing series, we've added over 40 more podcasts to the interviewing series that you can get access to the show notes for. Any cast that we've released that related to being interviewed, we've made those show notes available to you whether you have a license or not. No additional charge, just something to add more value to an existing product. And for those of you who don't have the interviewing series, really hard to argue when now, I think the price per cast for the interviewing series is probably around $3. Um, It is probably our most popular product. Tens of thousands of people now have bought it, and uh, many of them write to us every month telling us how great it is. We encourage you to check it out. Okay, Wendy, so we're recurring to choosing a company to work for. So many people have asked us about how did they choose, and is there a right way? And of course, everybody has their own way and their their own factors, but hopefully we've touched on many, many of the factors. Some of the stuff we've talked on, touched on so far, in case people haven't heard all of them. Compensation, values, industry suitability, reputation, opportunities, location, financials, and customer base. And then we had another cast about any other questions that you might want to ask yourself. So now uh, people have a, a long list of things that matter to them and things that don't matter to them, things that, that they care about, things that will make an impact to them and things that they won't. And when, although it's a long list, when you go through the list, some of them won't apply and, you know, you can probably get through them in 45 minutes. And then you've got to decide between them and, and clearly not all of the factors are equal for anybody. Yeah, and, and they're not, not just not equal for any one person, but everyone will weight them differently. I I had a conversation with somebody recently who was disabled and she said, it's very important to me that the company that I work for not only makes my life easy relative to my disability, but also shows that to the community that it serves, um, which is not something I would look for. Um, And so therefore in in her estimation, that weighting was very, very high. And so everybody's different and the weighting should be different across the board. We don't say everything's equal. We say things are different. That's the whole point of uh, being discriminating. So do we have some general guidance? Yeah. Right? We were not going to be able to give everybody what their exact weighting should be, I assume. Oh, no. Your weighting, yeah. Bill, <laughs> it will be. Yes. should be. Bill in Cincinnati is now going, oh, my God, they're watching me. Um, okay, so generally weight family heaviest or first make that the most important thing yeah weight growth and potential next and salary last yeah that's gonna be we'll get some we'll get some mail about this okay so family heaviest it's interesting uh, that you wrote this cast when i was thinking about writing a, a manager tools cast about what is known as the following spouse or the trailing spouse, which mm-hmm. I just had a conversation with an executive about, you need to include your spouse. If you don't include your spouse in this decision, regardless of how much you like the job, that could be easily outweighed by the difficulties that it causes at home. And it only gets worse as people get further in their career. Okay, so what's our guidance about weighting family heaviest? Where there's a choice and one of the choices will impede your family life, choose family first. So if you're trying to decide between company A and company B, and company A is 10 minutes down the road and you'll be able to 
to drop your children off at school every morning and company B is half an hour away and you could drop your children off but it makes things a bit tight in the morning and they're in every other way they were equal then you would choose company A because it, it makes your family life easier we often say if all you know all else being equal which it never is but you have exactly. to start somewhere in terms of your thinking about how to evaluate the various factors that go into your decision yeah so in your mind or on a piece of paper you can write company A company B and a line down the middle and write family and company A gets a check mark when you get to the bottom, you'll have made your decision based on all of the factors. Yeah. And, and as well, though, there, there are people who are a little bit more comfortable with maths than you are. And so they might very well uh, grade everything. For instance, waiting, uh, giving each company scores from one to 10 on family and job or, you know, the technical part of the job and colleagues and so on. And then they might also put a weighting factor uh, on top of that. So they're actually going to do math. They're going to say, because family is most important, I'm going to multiply these numbers by uh, 1.5. And I'm going to put company A as an eight and company B as a six. Mm -hmm. And then everything else will have numbers as well. So you can also do that, folks. You can simply use a heavier multiplier for family issues in addition to uh, saying, it's a tiebreaker, which is one of the ways to weight something heaviest. All of this assumes, of course, that you're in a position to choose a job. And if you need a job to pay for food, clothing, shelter, this doesn't apply. Just take the job. But if you're in a position to choose, and hopefully you are, then weight family heaviest. That's the place to start. So I got a couple of examples as to, as to things that might impede family life. Okay. So surveys show that people with shorter commutes are generally happier with their jobs than those with longer commutes. Of course, because they get home earlier and they leave later and so they see more of their family and they're able to do more things. In addition, um, most people see the commute is not value added and there is frustration associated with a loss of control. Absolutely. Okay. On the other hand, the people that work from home, some of the people that work from home who have the shortest commute, I think mine is 25 steps, um, can feel that they don't have time to decompress between work right. and home. And, and work is always there because it's, it's in that room. And there are no colleagues. In many, many cases, that's important to people. Yeah. So, so the shortest commute might not be the answer, but in general, shorter is better than longer for family life. Yes, and another way to think about that, folks, it, it, it's not a linear scale. As Wendy says, zero is not necessarily infinitely better than one or a lot better than one. And it may just be that anything less than half an hour is fine. But the hour and a half commute compared to uh, the job with the hour and a half commute compared to the job, the three jobs with a half an hour or less, you'd have to ding that job or have to score it lower relative to the impact on family. So another one that people might think of is shift work. And that's not, uh, people think that that's detrimental to family life, but it's not really, or it's not always. It depends on the shift you work. If you always work at two till 10, you get time to spend time with your family over breakfast. You just have breakfast together instead of lunch together or dinner together. And even a four off, four, four on, four off can give you more family time when others wouldn't have it. Wouldn't have it. My dad worked shifts 
all my childhood and sometimes he was there to pick us up from school and sometimes he was gone and I wouldn't see him for like four or five days because his shifts wouldn't allow it and I wasn't harmed by it at all and we had plenty of times when he could take us swimming or take us to do things when other parents weren't there because they were still at work so don't discount it out of hand think about how it might work for your family but if there's another job that the total weighs, weighs better than take the other job. Right. But try and, try and not to dismiss things out of hand, but just to see if you can make it work, if the other benefits of the role allow you to. And th- this relates to my conversation with this executive about the trailing spouse or the following spouse. I said to him, make sure you talk to your spouse. Make sure she knows what you're considering, what the factors are. First of all, they know you well. I suspect some of you sort of raised your eyebrows at the issue of shift work. Well, really, it's not that big a deal, huh? Um, to some of you, you may think, oh my gosh, it is. It's terrible. We, me and my spouse, my husband and I, we, the, the juggling is monumental every day. Um, I can't imagine shift work. That's okay. We're not suggesting that shift work is not an issue. We are suggesting that standard ideas about it may not be as accurate for you as you might think. And the whole point of this is if it's going to affect your family, and we're talking about weighting family heaviest, what we're suggesting is sit down and talk to your spouse. I remember um, having lunch with Drake every day that I did not travel. Oh, this is 10 years ago when Drake was in what, second and third grade? Um, Every day that I didn't travel, I was having lunch with Drake at his elementary school um, because I could. I just left the office and ate lunch there. And lunch wasn't very good, but the company was great. Now he has (laughs) no interest in me joining him for lunch when I'm in town. And in part, I did it because I knew he not only wouldn't want me to when he was older, but because the demands of travel on me would only increase. My situation is different, um, but in what, 11 or 12 years of being divorced and a single dad, I've only missed nine or 10 Thursdays with Drake, and that means no billable Thursdays to speak of and no Fridays either. Uh, In a company where my billable days are instrumental to income, at least they used to be, Um, and I had to think about Drake and being home every Thursday for him. So everybody's situation is different. Talk to your family. Usually that's 90% your spouse. Um, And you may be able to handle something that's different than normal. And it may be that all three jobs are roughly the same. That's fine. Um, But the subtext of point number one about waiting family heaviest is communicate with your spouse heaviest as well. Absolutely. And you just talked about travel, and travel is very different now than it was even 10 years ago. We didn't have Skype, we didn't have FaceTime, we didn't have um, things where you can show, you can the kids can show you what they drew at school today and they can talk to you and, you know, um, and if you're traveling and you're in a hotel room by seven o'clock eating room service and, the, you know, you can almost put the kids to bed not quite, but read them a story every night as if you were there in a way that you couldn't have done 10 years ago. FaceTime, Skype, something like that is incredible. This shows my age, but I used to travel when 
the company said, we will pay for 15 minutes of family time on the phone every night. <laughs> and, they, and they congratulated themselves for being incredibly generous. So generous. That was before cell phones, and that was when you had to call using the hotel phone. And actually, we had to use the credit card that the company gave us because we could save a couple of pennies here and there. And when I lost the credit card once and called from my hotel and billed it to the hotel room, my boss went ballistic. And I said, you know, I really needed to talk to my wife and I didn't have the card. And yeah, that was a long time ago. Those of you who are starting your careers, if you're 25 or 26 and you don't remember a time without cell phones, um, things were different. And so traveling was different. Mm -hmm. um, that said, one of the downsides of technology is so many of you listening right now, particularly younger folks, think that it's okay to be always connected and to be sitting with your spouse and doing email at dinner. I would suggest it might be okay, but it's not effective and it's certainly not putting your family first. Somebody told me the other day that they, they um, watch the same TV channel as their spouse. They get on Skype and then they have the same TV channel and it's like they're sat next to each other on the sofa and they're just discussing the program as, you know, as people do, which I thought was really cool. Um, so again, travel, if there's something in this job that will give you something that you're really excited about, then maybe travel is not a tra You can work something out with travel with your family. If your family is of an age where you really need to be there or your spouse has a job that means that you really need to be there, then you can't take a job with travel, but you have to make a decision about that rather than saying, I can't do travel. So, and I, it's all very, all of this is very general and what your family needs and what your loved ones need is very different. You know, we can look from the outside at a family with, you know, two parents and two children, a boy and a girl, and two families that look identical from the outside may have very different needs from the inside. But you know what those needs are, so think about them. Exactly. Because living without a job is easier than living without a family. Okay, so the next one is weight, growth, and potential next. Yeah, what we're saying here is don't go after the job that's great now that may not have a great future, right? Yeah, exactly. So you can work with a boss or teamwork or teammates that you can't stand if you have a reason to do so. If your boss drives you mad, but you're working on projects that you'd never have an opportunity to elsewhere, you'd probably learn to tolerate the boss, at least for a while. Um, if the teammates are all idiots, and yet you're, and because they're idiots, you're the highest selling salesman year after year, and you get all the compensation and the free holidays, I'd work with those idiots. <laughs> like, um, and if you hate the commute, but you are learning some technology that only this company is implementing, then it will be worth the, the suffering of the commute for a while in order to increase your value later. So it's thinking about not the circumstances, not the, the what you're going to have to put up with, but the value that you're going to get and whether that value is worth the suffering. And be careful when we say growth and potential, folks. Many of you think growth and you think career growth. Well, actually, that's what we mean by potential. The reason we're using both words is you may have a job that really stretches you and gives you new skills, skills that have value in the marketplace, and that helps you move in the next direction. It's safe to say 
that whatever you believe the next job is going to do for your career, 30 years from now, you aren't going to be in that career. There's a better than 50-50 chance. So we're not suggesting that the job you're doing, the, the role you have is unimportant. We're simply suggesting that that role is less important than what you see as growth coming to you out of the role in terms of your skills and in terms of your professional maturation, as well as what it does in terms of your potential. Keeping in mind, again, that your career is probably going to change. If you'd ever told me I'd be a podcaster, <laughs> I'd have said, what's a podcast? So, okay. uh, yeah, I did. I did a job for a while with, with an hour and a half commute, but it meant that I could work with the people that were reporting to the CEO right. of a thirteen billion dollar global company, and I wanted to work with those people. So, an hour and a half didn't seem that bad. Haven't you shared once? I'm, I'm Shanghaiing you here a little bit. It's not in the show notes, but you you told me once. I think you said it on air. Something about why you came to work for us. It occurred to you that you'd be able to reach more people, or I can't remember exactly how you put it. I told my friends to think of it as I'm joining a convent. I may have no money, but I'm doing what I'm called to do. Well, don't say that. I mean, we, we pay okay. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, at the time, I was taking we're a buying take up, We're we'll buying you a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And now, it's all, you know, the nuns get their reward, and I got my reward. But, you know, at the time... My friends were like, you're crazy. Yeah, I think, in fact, they said something about the stupid American, right? Didn't they? Yeah, yeah they did. And, and and my boss, who I resigned to, was very concerned that I was working without contract because no, nobody in the UK works without contract. Right. And they said, you haven't got a contract? No. And they're in America? Yes. And you trust them? Yes. <laughs> It'll all be fine. <laughs> he was very worried. Yes. Bless him. Anyway, um, so there may be times in your life when you want to choose, you want to choose a job with little to no potential. Like if you have responsibility for children or parents, or your spouse is doing an MBA or um, a law degree on top of their their job, or an accounting degree on top of their job that they've already got, or someone close to you is ill, you might want to take something relatively undemanding to balance out your demanding home life. So that comes back to family and putting family first and not necessarily thinking about your career because you can recover from those jobs. Yep. It really worries about, oh, I've got this period where, you know, I was a marketing manager and then I worked in Starbucks for it, two years. Well, don't worry about it. The The people that you want to work for, will, when you tell them that you you worked in Starbucks because you wanted to look after your elderly parents, will say, Good on you. Well done. And yeah. yeah, what do you remember about marketing? And they'll move on. Yeah. The people you don't want to work for will make a fuss about it. You know, you mentioned family here just for a minute. I want to come back. I should have said this earlier about family. I want to provide a caveat to the guidance about family, which I suspect I'll get some mail about, but um, we're, we're supposed to share our wisdom, so I'm going to. I have noticed a trend among young people today. We're recording this in 2014, folks, and I'm talking to those of you who are between the ages of 20 and 25, 26, 27, 28, I may be a little bit high there. There is an assumption that when there is career guidance, for those of you who are single, who are not married, you don't have children, that you can substitute friends for family. In other words, when we say put family first, 
then you would say, well, my family is my group of friends that I hang out with two or three nights a week. But let me assure you, we do not mean that in any way, shape, or form. The number of times I've heard people tell me stories that I took that job in order to be close to my girlfriend or my boyfriend, and not fiance and not spouse, um, that ended with what amounted to a, a career diversion, which is okay, you can recover from it, but that doesn't change the fact that it was probably a bad decision matrix. Um, I, I can't count the number of times that has happened. Whatever you do, don't say to yourself, I'm single, and because it says weight family heaviest, I should therefore include some substitute. We do not mean that. We mean you don't have to worry about that. Now, you, you may choose to be close to your parents. Um, I would argue that if your parents are in good health, that is not a good decision relative to your career path, but I'd have to know you as an individual better in order to do that. Um, but we do not intend for people to say, well, my friends are my family. You, you can do that, um, but probably we would uh, recommend you not do so. And as the single childless person who moved 4,000 miles away from her friends, I can tell you very fast, find out who your real friends are, the ones that <laughs> keep in touch and the ones that visit. Yep, which is to say the ones who actually were friends and those who aren't. Which weren't. I can count three. Yeah, good. Okay. Friends I had. And then the final point, the, the, the stake in the heart of our relationship with so many people, we're going <laughs> to wait salary last. Salary last. Salary is not the way to measure your career. <laughs> um, salary doesn't tell us whether or not you're doing well. It, it, so I wanted to find an example of this. So I looked at the cash co compensation of the Fortune 100 CEOs, which CEOs clearly aren't only paid in cash. They have very complex payment yeah. um, terms. But just in terms of cash, the person who's paid the most gets I can't even read this. Is that thirty-two million? Got got thirty-two million in total cash compensation. Yeah, nearly thirty-three million, and the least was a dollar, and that's Larry Page of Google. Number ninety-nine. So it goes from a dollar to ninety-nine, which is um, Warren Buffett. He was paid four hundred and ninety thousand. So compare that with thirty-two million, and they're both in the Fortune one hundred. Um, Warren Buffett makes one point five percent of what David Coate makes at Honeywell. And yet Berkshire Hathaway is number seven in the top 100, and Honeywell, where David Coate is, is number 77. So even with CEOs, cash is or compensation is no indicator of the success or value of what they're doing. Yeah, and, and look, folks, it's even stupid to think about CEO pay. Everyone talks about CEO pay as if they know what they're talking about, but unless you're a compensation consultant, you probably don't know what you're talking about. In 1972, the median pay for CEOs salary, not to say there weren't incentives, $29,500. So when you think you know, and then you hear it's just like that, think again. And the difference in $10,000 won't make that much of a difference. If you can live on 30, you can probably live on 20. Are there exceptions to this rule? Certainly. Some of you have unique situations. Um, uh, you have student loans and so on, and, and there is a concern about that. I'll never forget. I know I've told this story before. I'll tell it again because 
I'm constantly asking groups at conferences, do you remember this part of that one cast that we're talking about now and no one raises their hand anymore the way they did years ago when everyone who came to all of our conferences had listened to all 200 or 300 of the casts, which are is a little bit more difficult now that we have over, I think, 800 or so casts. Um, the, the canon is too big to, to eat in even a few bites. But I tell the story of getting out of the Army. I think at the time I was making $35,000 a year. And that was actually tax incentive. That was actually tax benefited because I didn't pay taxes on a good portion of it because I was a military officer. And I had three offers, one of which was 26-6, which was Proctor, with no chance for bonus or commission. And one was 39-9 with a company called Nalco that I still think highly of great people with bonus and commission. And I turned Nalco down. And as you, if you do the math, Wendy can't, but some of you can, 39.9 over 26.6 happens to be precisely 1.5, not even including bonus and commission. And I took Proctor because I read somewhere that Procter & Gamble was the West Point of corporate America. Salary will not matter. And as an example, Wendy mentioned working for a bad boss. If you work for a bad boss, $10,000 won't make that pain go away. I always tell people that divide 10,000 by 12, and then yeah. divide it by four. That's how much difference it makes a month. And it's hardly anything. I mean, I, I can't do it in my head, clearly, because I can't do maths. But, you know, if it's $400... If, if you're talking 10,000 divided by 12 divided by four, you mean that's how much it means a week, right? No, d uh, divided by 12, because that's the months in a year, and divided by four, well, oh, multiplied by three, it's because of the tax. I take off a quarter for the tax. Oh, I see what you're saying. It, it's cut it again by 25%. For the tax, exactly. I see. Okay, yeah. And and you come out at like three four hundred dollars a month, and it it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Ten thousand sounds like a lot until you look at it that way. Guys, again, this is another one of those factors. It's not linear. It's not as if zero is just a little bit less good than one, or you know there is some base. Uh, it may be for you twenty thousand, twenty five thousand dollars, and cost of living does matter, although. Um, I can say that if you really want to work in the fashion industry and you're single, um, the, the place where your career will probably do the best, in most cases, not always, is New York City. And there are places you can live in in New York City that are really, really small. And they're not as nice as the home you were raised in, probably. They're not as much room as your parents have, who have worked at that for 30 years. And you could live there. When I was uh, stationed at Fort Sill in my first the first six months out of West Point before I got sent to Hawaii, where Mike and I reconnected, I lived in the bachelor officer quarters, which is essentially a one-room apartment that was probably only 600 square feet, if that, with a little bathroom off the side. I lived there for four or five months and did fine. It wasn't bad. I knew friends who lived off post uh, and had apartments and paid for those apartments and so on. They lived, I think, nicer than me. But when you're single, you can do that. Doesn't matter. Okay, so wrap us up. So weight family heaviest, weight growth and potential next, and weight salary last. And and it's, it's really personal which factors and which things are most important to you. But what we're trying to do is steer you away from the common mistakes that we see, which is people fixating on the salary and forgetting about the impact on their family. And, and if your circumstances mean you you have to do something different to what we've recommended, then that's absolutely fine. But make a decision. 
don't leap based on the hiring manager or the salary or the coffee or your gut make a decision because then when things get bad if they get bad you'll know why you're doing this yeah and and there are some of you who like leaping and that's okay as long as you recognize that each leap cannot be reproduced and the person who makes a decision will get progressively better at them and if you start making decisions when you're single and young with a process that may not be perfect but is repeatable at least in a broad sense by the time your decisions really matter when your spouse and kids rely on you to make good decisions you'll be doing it well and you'll understand why it's going well and you'll understand when you make mistakes and that's the way to go through professional life okay thanks wendy bye everyone thanks everybody for listening hope you enjoyed it we continued this series because so many people have asked us how do i choose hope this helps you make your decision